make every night legendary. Guys, we've had some pretty legendary nights, but we've also had some nights that weren't so legendary. The non-legendary nights are done. Tonight is gonna be legendary. time coming everybody but we are back the legendary seance podcast is back on the road i'm chris i'm here with a snacking jordan <laughs> what's going on everybody i am in the midst of trying to scarf down these wings but uh alas i will put them to the side because there's something that uh is more important and that is the legendary seance podcast is back baby quite the hiatus things have happened um we have friends who've had several children who are now grown and off to college um a lot of stuff has happened since the time has gone past it's been a long time people have asked and done well-being checks on us <laughs> making sure we're good yeah but there's a not, not in the hospital not in the hospital there's a simple explanation to all of this I know in the past we've we've tucked through some situations. We've literally podcasted soon after Jordan almost died. Um, I've been in basements in the corner because of things going on in my home. You know, so we've we've toughed out some situations. But these past few weeks, haven't been able to get to it. Schedules have been crisscrossed. Uh, I finally went on vacation after a long, long time of uh, nice. not leaving. Midwest finally did nice, something. Nice. I was going to try to do the pod on vacation, but I was like, no, I'm going to enjoy this. I don't want to have to have some sitting there waiting for me to edit as soon as I get back. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was refreshing. Every part of me was refreshed just about. Uh, I was physically refreshed and I needed it because as soon as I got back to work, foolishness ensued. And had I not gone on vacation, I would be on on a on trial for murder right now. So, you know, fortunately for everyone around me, I went on vacation. That's how it always is, man. As soon as you come back from having a nice little R and R, little vacation time, real life is waiting for you at the door, brother. Oh, was it waiting? Was it waiting? Vacation does not make other people smarter when you get back. It just it just prepares you for their stupidity, and you can go on a little more. But I'm all for vacations. I think we need a lot more of them in order to get through the American workday. <laughs> but you didn't come here to hear about this. You wanted to hear about the things that we talk about on the Stay House podcast sports talk, and other stuff. So we've got a few topics we're going to cover today. Of course, we're going to give you the beloved Grub Report. And yeah. may uh, sprinkle in some new segments. If we're going to be laying low like this, we're going to give you a little something. To, uh, That's right. Wet the whistle, so to speak. Yeah, something a little fresh. A little fresh. 
And as we're recording, the Eastern Conference Finals just ended. An epic battle between Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kawhi Leonard. Yep. Really to the NBA chagrin because it is one of the lowest rated conference finals in quite some time. But there's some there's some little facts behind that. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying because there was no LeBron in the playoffs, and I've enjoyed it. Yes, I have. It's made for better storylines and newer storylines and fresh storylines. But they're saying, well, no LeBron, that means the ratings are down. And this is the lowest rated conference finals since LeBron was in it. The NBA does not count Canadian ratings. So if the Raptors have to carry half the share of ratings in the conference finals, it is going to be a low-rated finals. Yeah. They don't have a huge footprint in New York or in Chicago or things like that. Milwaukee is not a a major, major market as far as media. They have a loyal fan base, a, a rowdy fan base who's going to back their team. Milwaukee also no doubt got support from Chicago area fans and other Midwestern fans, but it wasn't huge a huge market. So yeah, the Raiders going to be a little bit down. Yeah, but what a series it was, in my opinion. Yes, it was. And even the Western Conference Finals, even though Golden State kind of. Uh, play with the trailblazers like a cat plays with a ball of yarn. Um, it was still good games, good close games. You just saw with the Western Conference Finals the difference between a championship team and a team trying to get there. Yeah, I uh, I have to uh, acknowledge the Portland Trailblazers, man. Um, that that series, and I agree with you. It's kind of like okay, we we'll, we'll get serious when we need to with the war. Speaking about the Warriors and how they kept coming back, and I think it was game two, three, and four, because even though it was a four zero sweep, every game for the most part uh, outside of game one was close. And actually, Portland had a substantial lead in most of those games. You know where it could easily have been three one Portland. And if we're going to be honest about just how the game was going and what they could have done, but that's a sign of a champion, you know, knowing when to turn it on, you know, even though you don't have arguably the best player in the NBA, the best player in the world and Kevin Durant on the team and you had a hobbled Iguodala, you know, you, you pretty much just went back to the, the 73 win team warriors who already won a championship. So it's not like you, you lost a step or you missed a step without those guys, you know, on the sideline, you just played differently. You, you got back to being, you know, splash brothers and Draymond doing his thing. Uh, but I have to give a shout out to Portland. Dame Lillard, uh, definitely showed his grit. Uh, CJ McCollum showed his grit and, uh, Shout out to the to the to the uh, to the other other boy who I can't remember his name now. He he played at Illinois, the big man, white Myers, white dude. Myers yeah, Myers Leonard. Leonard. Yeah, Myers Leonard did a decent job, man. He that was his coming out uh, playoff series. So he uh, hopefully he builds on that. I I, I really was uh, high on Myers Leonard when he played at Illinois for that one season. I thought he was okay. So uh, hopefully he takes off a little bit more 
But uh, overall, the, the playoffs have been really, really good. It's still been entertaining, still been exciting to watch, even without a LeBron. Uh, like you said, it kind of opens up different storylines, a different feel, and that's good. Sometimes you need change. You need something different. People want to see something different. Uh, and and we got that with Toronto, you know, going to the to the NBA Finals. It's going to be exciting. We'll see what happens. I I love. I mean, for obvious reasons, I love the Western Conference Finals. Very entertaining. You did see Myers Leonard do his thing, um, and I and I can appreciate that because when you see a player respond when the game plan is designed for them. You know, basically the game plan was designed for Myers Leonard to come in. And the Warriors, like, if we're going to lose, Myers Leonard's going to have to beat us. And he came close. You know, he he was making yep. shots, making plays, uh, defending the pick and rolls well. But what happened was, honestly, Draymond was the, was the pivotal change in that strategy. You know, he's going to go with Myers Leonard. Yeah, and, and it's going to work for you in the offensive end, and he may take up some of the slack where the Warriors will focus on locking down those two guards. But now Draymond's going to grab that ball, and he's going to push on Myers Leonard. And Myers Leonard had a hard time keeping up with him. Right. Pretty much everybody else, too. Aminu and Harkless and everything. Dame Lillard needs some weapons. I mean, I know, I know they like the grit that uh, Chief Aminu and and Mo Harkless offered them, but they are some severe offensive liabilities. Severe offensive liabilities. So it's easier said than done, but you need somebody that's going to give you that, that try-hard mentality of a Harkless, but who can give you some consistent offense. Because even against the Nuggets, uh, you saw where you know the, the series there uh, went up and down based on the play of Mo Harkless. When he decided to run the baseline and take advantage, take advantage of open spots, yeah, able to change the course of the series. But you need somebody that's going to consistently give you production on the offensive end, more so than Mo Harkless. You know, he's a good piece to have, but you know, Trevor Ariza would be good for uh, Portland. Yeah, Trevor Ariza would be good, or maybe Nicholas Batum, like back in the day. You know, somebody that that can can kind of carry a little bit more of a load. I even think that if they still had LaMarcus, that would have been a bigger impact, you know. They need a... And, and this is kind of difficult to say, I guess, because they have a, a, a number of big men on their team. And, of course, you know, with Nurkic going out, that could have been a big difference as well. You know, don't want to under undermine uh, him and what he started to do. But... I would say, you know, somebody that has a bigger impact, one of one of the the better big men in the league. You know, I would think that that's that's the type of player that they need because they already got the backcourt, you know, on lock. I don't I don't think it's a big they need. I think they need a wing guy. I think they need a wing guy who's going to be just consistent, just a consistent thirteen point guy who can make the outside shot, can make you pay if you leave him open, who can run the baseline and defend. At, at a slightly above competent level. And I think that would have made a big difference. Nurkic, in my opinion, as talented as he is, I think might have slowed them down. And because he wouldn't have offered what Myers Leonard offered. And the Warriors may have they may have struggled getting getting the rebounds a little more so. 
and he may have bought Portland some extra possessions. But I think Nurkic would have slowed them down in that pick and roll and also um, not been able to keep up if Draymond decided to, to turn it up like he did. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I didn't think about it like that. They do have two different type of games. Myers Leonard is more of a stretch guy than Yusuf is. That 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 is that is true. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting interesting battle in the finals. You're gonna have the uh, Toronto Raptors who vanquished the Bucks, winning four in a row after going down 0-2 against the Warriors. But before we get into that, uh, I know Jordan and I we wanted to analyze uh, yeah. the evolution, if you will, of the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. And some things that we saw that progressed throughout the season and also what happened in the playoffs and why, uh, for stretches, he became pretty ineffective against the Raptors. Yeah. 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 It 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 really kind of opened my eyes, uh, especially game five. Uh, you started seeing some adjustments made when the series was tied back up at 2-2, uh, meaning versus Toronto. And... The way they played Giannis, whenever he wanted to attack the paint, that paint was clogged. Like there was, I don't think there ever was a possession where he had a easy, just easy drive to the lane. Might have been a few, but game five showed me, okay, they know what his weakness is. Obviously, he doesn't have a reliable shot and he's not going to really work from the outside in. He's going to try and keep getting to the basket with his length. And if he's an arm length of that basket, then nine times out of 10, it's over. So they made sure they continued to push him around, double team him at the top. When he tried to get past somebody, he tried to do his little patent spin move and he would spin right into somebody else and then have to throw it out and kick it out and rely on his shooters to make their three point shots, which is really excellent for them because that's how they built the team around him to make sure that there were shooters all over the place. But Game 5 exposed Giannis and showed just how much more uh, he has to work on his game. Uh, and it's kind of in, in the same field as Ben Simmons. Like, you know, there are some limitations to them as stars. They are stars, and Giannis is maybe going to be the MVP of the league this year. But you can tell there are certain ways that you can kind of slow Giannis down. And so he's going to have to figure that out. He's going to have to get his butt in the training uh, uh, center and work out, you know, extra hard. And just like he did this year where he didn't talk to nobody. He didn't want to be friends with nobody. Go back to the drawing board and do that same thing. The same thing, you know, hopefully he's thinking that way after he walked out of the, of the interview or the press conference, because that was funny. But just just add to your game because it's it's kind of being exposed that you're you're not. In my opinion, you're not one of the better players in the league like you're supposedly you you they say you are. Uh, I I can't I can't necessarily put him on the same level as a KD and a Steph and a LeBron and a and a James Harden. I say he's still a tier under them. Uh and because of his measurables, he can get away with a lot of different things and there's nothing wrong with that. That's why he's called the Greek freak. He's a freakish athlete. You know, some people, they have certain things about them that just make them better, you know, because of what they bring to the table, because of their height or their length or their strength or their speed, you know, whatever it is that kind of makes you stand out. That's all well and fine. But if he didn't have that, we talking about that man would be just another normal player. 
But you can say that about a lot of NBA players. The thing about Giannis, the thing about Giannis for me is he worked on the jump shot. He needs to continue to work on it. He needs yeah. to, you know, he it needs to become more reliable. And the fact that he doesn't trust it means he needs to work on it more. But I think he yeah. just didn't trust it. I think I honestly think he should have taken more jump shots. He doesn't. He doesn't trust the shot. I think he can make it, but he doesn't think he can make it. And that's all that matters. Also, this series loss to me is more an indictment on the Bucks as a team as opposed to just Giannis. The Raptors went out, and for all intents and purposes, they didn't play it exactly this way, but all intents and purposes, they played box plus one, where they kept a guy on Chris Middleton, and they said, we're going to focus and box in Giannis Antetokounmpo when he drives to the lane. But whatever you do, we'll box him in, but whatever you do, don't leave Chris Middleton. That's the shooter. That's the other guy. So what we want is Brooke Lopez, beat us. Eric Bledsoe, make a jump shot. Right. Malcolm Brogdon, beat us. Malcolm Brogdon played a pretty decent series, but he's not good enough to single-handedly carry you to victory. Eric Bledsoe, once again, inconsistent, and as I've said on this podcast and on others, Eric Bledsoe's on that list of point guards that if they're running the show, success is eminently going to escape you. Overrated. So, Eric Bledsoe, again, the holes in his game showed again. Yep. Why he's a first team all defensive player baffles me. Kyle Lowry torched him. And I don't know how that happened. On important possessions, he wasn't in the game. If he's an all defensive player and the other team's scoring, he needs to be in on important possession. Also, um, Brooke Lopez, the games they won, Brooke Lopez went nuts, if you recall. So Toronto came into this series with their eyes on that strategy of of locking and boxing in Giannis and the strategy of everybody else has to beat us. And Brooke Lopez was up to the challenge for the first two games. And in game six, he looked like he was going to be up to the challenge. He and Brogdon, but then Brogdon faded and Brooke faded a little bit. And that's when that last run that the Raptors made went through. And Milwaukee wasn't able to recover. But Giannis has to depend or at least have more confidence in that shot and take it when it's there. He was hesitant to take it. And then he was hesitant to even dribble to the lane because it got to the point where when your teammates aren't making those shots and aren't delivering, you your trust starts to dwindle in them. So he didn't know what to do. He got confused. He said, okay, they're taking away my bread and butter. I don't want to shoot this jump shot, and I don't know if I want to pass it. So what do I do? So he went back to his natural instinct. I'm going to dribble, spin, move, and then, you know, Kyle Lowry comes from from the weak side and steals the ball. So that's pretty much how that Bucks series, to me, from what I saw, played out. Even, Even the shooters that Milwaukee has were inconsistent. Connaughton. Very inconsistent. Ilya Silva, very inconsistent. Those aren't 
those are guys who are not down, knockdown shooters in the first. Like, Milwaukee doesn't have a guy. Maybe, like I said, Chris Middleton is the guy. But other than him, Milwaukee doesn't have a guy where it's like, if he gets the ball and he's wide open, you're you're wetting your pants. Milwaukee <laughs> doesn't have that guy. You know, Philly has the guy. If J.J. Redick is wide open with eight seconds left and he's about to shoot, you like, oh, God, we're about to be down one. You know, Golden State, they grow those guys in the backyard. You know, and, and different different teams have that guy, you know, yeah. as a as a uh, support player, so to speak. Milwaukee doesn't have that guy. And in this day and age of NBA basketball, they need that guy. Brooke Lopez cannot be your best three point threat. Yeah, so, it's it's. That's what I was saying about how they built the team around Giannis. They did a very good job of doing that. But you're missing a certain element still. And and I think that is the element. It's that knockdown, reliable, just proven shooter. You know, whether it had been a, like a Kyle Korver type or just somebody you know, this is their specialty. You needed a three-point specialist. And yeah, I'll give it to you. Chris Middleton is you know, their best shooter. Um, But him just being, I guess, limited to that role, that's not him. So I would say they need to go out and get somebody like a a Kyle Korver or one of the better three-point shooters in the league that knows, okay, my role when I get in the game is I'm standing right here and I'm going to knock down these threes or I'm coming around a a, a pick and I'm going to knock down this shot. You know that that's that's what they need to do. Man, it would be nice if they they could snatch Clay Thompson away from the Bucks. I mean, from the Golden State Warriors. Then we talking about a real good team. Oh yeah, they're they're winning the East every year with Clay and and Giannis. Why wasn't Meritage playing a lot? I was thinking that too when I kept seeing the roster. I'm like, wait a minute. I know Nico is on here, but I don't see him out there, and. Nico has had a good career, you know, after he left Chicago. He was killing the New Orleans, and then he comes here. That was the reason why they got him, because they needed more shooters around Giannis. But I don't know if he just wasn't having a good season or a good series. Or, But I didn't barely see him. At least I don't think he was out there. And that may, that may have been a coaching error on the part of, of Budenholzer. And I like Mike Budenholzer, but he is – he is slowly creeping into that arena of really good regular season coach. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that A to B guy who can't close the deal. So, you know, I, I don't want to put him there just yet because he's still a relatively young head coach in the, in the game. Yeah. Um, but he, he's slowly creeping into that atmosphere where it's like, you know, I can get you here, but uh, I don't know what to do after that. I can't. <laughs> like, I can get you here, but I can't get you there. <laughs> You're going to have to figure yeah. out the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like Bud. I mean, if, if we had our choice, I'd say send Bud here now to Chicago. That's how much, you know. I mean, but that's, that's really 20 other NBA coaches that I'd rather have than the coach. But – yeah, I, I do like Boone Hoser, and, and he he's a very good coach. 
But he he's slowly entering that atmosphere of one of those guys, man. Yeah. I hate to say it. And I was thinking Cal Corver for the Bucks. You know, and then you you gotta scout, you know, and, and see who's next on the horizon, who's coming out in the draft. Maybe you can find a guy, since Milwaukee's gonna be drafting late, find a guy in the late rounds that might be that guy for you. Uh yeah. you know, Landry Shamit looks like he may end up being one of those guys. Just a knockdown shooter who who may find his niche that way. A DJ yeah. Reddick type. If he can, you know, learn how to move off the ball. You know, Milwaukee's got to find a guy or two like that. I like Connaughton, but he's inconsistent as a shooter. He's more an athlete that can shoot. Right. Um, they just don't have the shooter, and they didn't play Nico. You know, and maybe because yeah, I, don't, he I don't know what you're saying about that. Because uh, you know the Raptors played pretty grimy basketball, so maybe he didn't fit fit that that ethos in that series as far as. You know, Nico wasn't going to get in there and grind with the Raptors, but you needed a shooter. And you could not, you were desperately and sorely missing that. And you couldn't find it. So, I mean, there should have been some point where Miritich played and offered you some sort of shooting support. Because Nico going to shoot. Yeah. Nico is going to shoot. He's going to get his shots. But like you said, they might have thought, well, maybe he's a little too soft for this series. <laughs> if 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 we can recall his former days in the in the red and black and white, uh, that man, he uh, he was a little 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 cupcake. Yeah, with a black eye. Ah, <laughs> uh, Bobby Portis. Bobby P, baby, Bobby P. So. To the chagrin of uh, another podcast, we're going to talk briefly about the NBA Draft Lottery. (laughs) The NBA Draft Lottery took place and several teams got together as uh, was parodied by Game of Zones. Several teams got together and petitioned the basketball gods for a chance at the uh, next big thing, Zion Williamson. But only one could succeed, and that one team was the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, how, how, how ironic. Man, so please. when the Bulls got the seventh pick again, the level of Kawhi Leonard laughter that came out of my body <laughs> was pretty unparalleled. It was, um, I thought it was hilarious. I really did. Like, people oh, were heartbroken. Hey. People were heartbroken. I was I was a little upset, but it was so funny. It was so funny. Because now, guess what? The Bulls have to actually do something. The Bulls won their third three-peat. The Bulls have to do something. They're forced to do some work and not just pray that something falls into their lap again to make them look good as a front office. You have to do some legwork. And I, I, I understand the whole draft record, and they're going to give you the draft record of what they've done with uh, picks that weren't necessarily in the top five. And that's, to... But if you really think about it, the draft record, and people want to say, well, they have really great players, you know, picking wherever. How many of those players were all-stars besides Jimmy Butler? 
Exactly. And then, and then, mind you, I will venture to say the reason Jimmy Butler became as good as he was was in large part due to Tom Thibodeau pushing Jimmy and getting him to work hard. And then you went and fired Thibs. So you want a credit for that. You want a credit for the Jimmy Butler thing. Fine. Take it. Where are your other all-stars? Luol Dang? I mean, you got Derrick Rose. Was Kirk Heinrich ever an all-star? Absolutely not. Wow. And Kirk had a very good career, but yeah, see? like Kirk had a, a better-than-average career. Not very good. Kirk Heinrich um, was better than average to the point where he did go to – he was on that Olympic team. That That's I right. think it was the Olympic team that right. lost or something like that. Right, he right, right, right. Back when back when the NBA got a little cocky and was like, we can just send anybody Everybody. over. <laughs> Kirk Heinrich, uh, Kenneth Reed, uh, uh, let's say uh, Rodney Rogers, you Michael go Red. Michael, Michael Red. Red. Uh, don't disrespect Michael Red. Michael Red had one of the no Michael Red. I thought it was best, good. Best jump shots because he <laughs> he shot and he didn't he didn't you know you know how you're trained to shoot and, and flip your wrist at the end. He shot with no flick. Yeah. No, I enjoyed that about Michael. Red. Okay. Red Red was good. Red was good. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Cheddar the Connect. No flick of the wrist. <laughs> but yeah, that was back when the NBA was like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just send a ragtag bunch of NBA guys over there, throw a couple stars and sprinkle them in, send a young LeBron and Carmelo over there so they can wreck some hotel rooms, and we'll be just fine. And old Pau Gasol and Mark and uh, Manu Ginobili and all those other teams over there was like, yeah, send those guys over. Ridiculous. And they surgically uh, removed gold medals from the United States. <laughs> <laughs> then they had to be like, oh, nope, no, now we need to redeem team. Yeah. Enjoy that sixth place finish, Ray LaFrance. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my now, God. As a, dis- as a disclaimer, I'm just throwing random names out there at this point. I'm, I'm not saying all those guys made the Olympic team. Yeah, they sent the ragtag bunch, but I don't think Ray was on that. Yeah, it was Kirk Heinrich had a better than average career. That's all. But you know, they'll they'll stand on that. No the Bulls have not, other than Derrick Rose, who fell in his in their lap, even yeah. including Jimmy Butler, I will include Jimmy Butler. The Bulls have not drafted a game changing player. The Bulls have not drafted a top-tier player. Jimmy Butler, and I stand by this and continue to stand by this, Jimmy Butler is a guy that is the best player on a first-round out. This is true. And as we see, even with two other All-Stars around him, playing with him, Jimmy Butler was still summarily exited in the second round. With two other all all NBA players. 
So it doesn't matter. Jimmy Butler's a first-round out player. Is he better at basketball than me? Yes. But that's not what matters. Everybody is. <laughs> Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Don't sell yourself so short. I'm pretty sure we can find somebody that you can whoop up on. I'm pretty sure we can find somebody. It'd be an extensive search. We'd have to... <laughs> We'd have to search fast food joints. <laughs> like, you look like you're fatter than I am. Let's go play basketball. And then the guy <laughs> kills me. <laughs> like, where did this come from? Like, you're pretty nimble. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's the best player in the first round out. And the, and the Bulls just stand on there. They're soapbox and they throw these names at you and these successes and you can't sign. It's, it's like they want us to be convinced that with these really, really groovy, okay guys that they've been extremely successful. Yeah. And I know some people don't believe in the championship or bust mentality and they say that that takes the fun away from basketball. It doesn't for me. Give me a champion. I'm not into giving people outs. The reason why you put these teams together. No, does anyone remember the general manager of those Atlanta Hawks teams that always fell short in the 80s? Or the Cleveland Cavalier teams that always fell short in the 90s? Does anyone remember those general managers? No, no, no. The front offices. Does anybody ever say, "Man, those those Atlanta front Haw- Atlanta Hawks front offices of the '80s were pretty effective. Well, those Cavalier front offices in the '90s were pretty solid." No one says that. They look at the legacies of the teams that win, and everybody else. You might get an old head that says, "Man, you y'all don't know how good including Cavaliers were." You get those <laughs> old heads. Who, who are basketball junkies and respect the game like myself, who admired the Mark Prices, the Brad Doherty's, the Larry Nances, but they're not in the annals. They're not going to be mentioned among the great teams. Right. NBA TV is not going to devote a week to you. Besides the fact you're also Cleveland. It's not going to happen. And... You know, people say that we're entitled here in Chicago and we feel that, you know, we should we should have more, much like New York does. But the fact of the matter is we we should. We don't want to be lulled into not demanding more, man, because when you start to take OK, when you start to take eh, perennial second round out, occasional Eastern Conference final. You get what you have in front of you. You get a team, you get a front office that's going to always shoot for just squeaking by. Mediocrity. Mediocrity. That, that's the word. It's just, that's how it is. You know, they're making money. That's all they care about. You're still making revenue. They're not, they're not going to see any need to, uh, to, to, to do better. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, people people want to talk about, you know, well, LeBron was always in the way. 
Not when you lost to Isaiah Thomas on a bad hip. That wasn't LeBron. LeBron is not always the guy that's putting you out. You yeah. lost to several other great, great players. I mean, it, it's been LeBron more times than not, but you've lost to several great players year in and year out. One year was Andre Iguodala. Yeah, I know Derrick Rose hurt his knee, right? But technically on paper, you should have still had enough firepower to beat Andre Iguodala and the Sixers. And they didn't. They crapped cold for the rest of that series. <laughs> so I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of blaming injuries as if no other NBA team experiences injuries. And if you have more injuries than other NBA teams, and you've had to blame that for the last three years, get rid of the training staff. Yeah. They're not all eating Skittles. (laughs) And then I'm supposed to sit here, and I may be wrong. I could, could be completely and utterly wrong. I'm supposed to sit here and believe that Denzel Valentine, slow and unathletic Denzel Valentine, who's getting chopped up in, in summer league ball by T-Mobile employees, that he's going to come back. He's going to come back from an ankle surgery, season-ending ankle surgery, and be more athletic? Yeah, man. Denzel is about to take over the league. What you talking about? From someone, who's had ankle, from someone who's had ankle surgery, Jordan, Trust me, ankle surgery makes you slower. Hey man, we're talking about Denzel Valentine. Okay, he is he is he is a a a a exception to the rule. Denzel Valentine is going to take over the league when he comes back, sir. And guess what they're going to tell you when he comes back? It's just like getting a free agent. Yeah, we had an addition to the team that wasn't here last year, so we're gonna we're gonna expect improvements, and we're definitely gonna expect a playoff bound team. Tell you, man, Denzel Valentine, man, he he he's gonna take us to the top. This is what we were missing: the number seven pick in Denzel. That's all we need. If the Bulls don't trade that number seven pick, what you gonna do? You gonna go down there and start some uh, moving some furniture? <laughs> I'm not gonna do anything. I'm gonna get to what, what I'm gonna get to what what is being done though very very shortly. One thing John Paxson said that that irritated me was this, and and I know what he meant, and I'm not gonna nitpick words, but and I know what he meant, but it still irritated me. John Paxson said after they got the numbers, you know, seven pick, they just want to get back to putting a competitive team on the floor. Like it, it didn't. It didn't even strike me as we want to put start getting a a championship team on the floor. We want to work towards creating a champion. We just want to put a competitive team on the floor. You know what a competitive team can be? <laughs> a competitive team could be a team that loses by three every game. <laughs> exactly every game. Competitive <laughs> <clears throat> team is. Even if he said, I would have taken it and said, let's get a playoff team. 
A competitive team is a team that loses by three every game. You're going to get the grit, the grind, the try hard that Jim Boylan has promised you that you will receive. Yeah. And we're not even going to talk about the fact that they extended Jim Boylan for no reason at all. Well, he's still getting paid like one of the lowest paid coaches in the league. It's not like they extended him to a huge contract. I mean, they, they're they going to give him his shot, his fair shot, until they find a reason to fire him. And they will. Yeah. Especially it's a revolving... if he has any success and gets credit for anything. Exactly. Or if he stops being as receptive to their advice as they'd like. Yeah, now, I'm. I'm. I'm uh, yeah. As for now, the seventh pick. Yeah. As for the seventh pick, because now there's talk that Kobe White won't even be there. And Kobe well, White. Hey. If, <laughs> I'm glad you're one of the few that actually acknowledged that. I feel like it, the dude is a little bit overrated. He's been evaluated a little bit too. There's, there's too much hype around him. Now, that's not to say that maybe Kobe White is going to be a serviceable point guard. Heck, we don't know his work ethic. We don't know if he will be a very good point guard. But all I can say is there's a huge drop-off from Ja Morant to the next point guard unless Darius Garland, you know, turns out to be what he looked like before he got hurt, which was very, very good. Darius Garland probably could have been up there with Ja Morant as, you know, being talked about as as one of the top top picks he's already going to be in the draft lottery but uh, i'm speaking on him kind of solidifying himself kind of like how Kyrie did when uh you knew he was going to come out as a top play, as a as a top pick despite him getting hurt um i'm i got my eyes set on garland if he's there and the bulls are selecting and they they they're keeping their pick uh obviously we've heard rumors about them packaging something where it could be a three-way trade between the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Bulls, where the Bulls get Lonzo, the Lakers get the, I believe, the Anthony Davis, and the Pelicans get the the seventh pick, and whoever else, and Chris Dunn, uh, in some form or fashion. I don't mind that. I don't mind Lonzo, uh, but if we are to keep it, I don't want Kobe White. I want Darius Garland. Darius Garland won't be there. Don't so, you say that. Don't you say that to me. Are, if everything stays flat and there's no moves, Darius Garland's going to get drafted by the Lakers. And Kobe White is going to be drafted by the Suns. Hey, man. Just just give me a little bit of hope, all right? I don't, I don't need you. I don't need you. You're, 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 you're shooting me down. I, I need Darius Garland to be there at I'm number seven. Hope, Jordan. I'm here for truth. Oh, shut up. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm trying to convince myself that somehow, some way, the Bulls are going to come out on top <laughs> amongst all of this madness. Oh, it's very difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I know people that there will be some that say, you don't know what these guys are going to be because they've never played NBA ball. The very Kawhi Leonard response to things. But you can tell <laughs> somebody's trash. And I, I'll, I'll, I may be wrong. I may be wrong. 
But at no point this year was I impressed by Kobe White. The only thing I liked about Kobe White was how fast he looked with all that hair. He looked extremely swift and and elusive with that afro going all over the place. But there's nothing that really says Kobe White was a game changer, you know, like Ja, like Zion. And even like a few other players, like, like you know, RJ, when he was on. And and the potential of Cam Reddish, I would take over Kobe White any day, in my opinion. I think there's something to be said about playing behind two top players and one that's generational and the other that's supposedly supposed to be maybe the better NBA player when it's all said and done. But Cam Reddish, to me, is probably somebody that might be there at seven, but then that's a redundant position pick for the Bulls. They don't necessarily need that, but would you get would you get him just because it's best player available type if Darius Garland isn't there? So I've expressed the way I feel about Cam Reddish. And I'm going to say this. The needle for Cam Reddish is moving for me. Moving in a positive direction. Now, I still have my reservations about him because I feel like there's two ways to look at this. He either was restricted because he couldn't do the things he wanted to, and as a result, he wasn't able to thrive and flourish at Duke. But I say carry that to the NBA where you're going to join a team where there's established players and you're going to have to do the exact same thing you did at Duke. You're not going to come in the door on the team you're on as the seventh or eighth pick, and they're going to build the offense around what you want to do. No. You're going to come in and you're going to have to say, where does Zach stand? Oh, I can't go there. Where does Lowry want the ball? Oh, I can't go there. So it's the same thing you had to do at Duke. But hmm. yeah. I, I do like the skill set and the potential upside. Like I said, I'm, I'm changing my mind a little bit on Cam. Maybe he'll have a chip on his shoulder coming into the league. That may help. I'm a big proponent of, of guys with talent who have a chip on their shoulder. So, you know, the there there's all these uh, projections that say he's Paul George. But I'll say this. He's either Paul George or he's Ben McLemore. Oh, Lord. I was so high on Ben. Yeah, that's a good comparison. That's that's his, his uh, floor. Ceiling probably is Paul George. Uh yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see. And and as you as you know, I've always said, sometimes it just depends on the team that you go to, the chemistry, the, the, the playing style of that team that can make or break a person's talent. There's a lot of people in the league that have talent, but when the, 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 the game plan is not built around them, they can't show off their talents. And, and it kind of reminds me of another player we have from Duke, because of Marvin Bagley. You had Wendell Carter, who was said to be very, very good, but kind of had to shelter a few skill sets when he was at Duke just so Marvin Bagley could shine because they didn't realize they were going to have Bagley until they had him. And now Wendell had to adjust his game. And Wendell, you know, for, for most of his rookie season, had to kind of come into his own and adjust his game based off of Laurie and Zach. So I agree. You know, if, if Cam Reddish were to come to the Bulls, he would have to do the same thing. And now it's just going to be about, well, what's your work ethic? What is it that you do in the offseason uh, to, to, to 
make yourself better so that you can stand out. And now we, we, there's nothing that, that, that you, you, nobody can deny your talent, you know, because now you're, you're just showing it and we're going to have to, you know, give you the ball more. We're going to have to work, work the game plan around you uh, because now you're, you're, you're taking your, you're stepping your game up. But uh, I don't know, man, I, I'm, I'm, I think I want to trade this pick. That's my first priority in my mind is I want to trade this pick and go after Lonzo. Or uh, I heard rumors of Drew Holiday. I think that's a solid pickup. But uh, yeah, I, I, w- I would want to. I would want to package this 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 pick. I'm down with Drew Holiday before I'm down with Lonzo. And I know people want the younger player. I get it. But Drew Holiday. I happen to think you have a lot of young on this team and you need a veteran guy and not just any veteran guy. Drew Holiday is a veteran guy who makes shots, makes yeah. shots. Yes, sir. is young and can't make shots. Yeah. And if yeah. he's shooting like he does, he's never going to make shots. Yeah. He needs to have his shooting form reconstructed, torn down to the studs, and reconstructed. <laughs> Drew Holiday, you, you, look, you go get a guy like Drew Holiday or Mike Conley, somebody can come in and command that locker room. Be yeah. the eyes and ears on the court. You have a subpart NBA coach, at least get a halfway decent on-court coach. Yeah, I'm with that. I think that, uh, that would be nice. Mike Conley, too. Yeah, I heard that as well. I think that would be nice. Like you mentioned, even though they're a little on the aged side now, I, I think that their skills uh, haven't diminished. Drew Holiday especially. Uh, a little surprised that Drew Holiday has as good of a defense as he did. I didn't really realize that, or I, maybe I didn't pay attention to it when he was back in his in his Philly days. But uh, he's a very good defender as well. So you got a, a point guard that can uh, be a two-way player uh, who played shooting guard, who has some size to him. Uh, that would be a very nice pickup. I wouldn't mind getting rid of that seventh for a package for him. Yeah, I mean, get a better presence in here. Unless somebody just drops in your lap at seven, that's phenomenal. Get a veteran presence in here. Stabilize the team. Go make the playoff. Yeah. Make a playoff and get a six seed. You know, Mike Conley, Drew Holiday can get you there. Distribute a little bit. Play some defense. Some solid defense on top of the fact that they pose a threat to make a jump shot. Which cannot be said for any of these supposed point guards that the Bulls are interested in. Memphis is getting John Moran. Now, do they want to just kick it off with him being the guy and give him the keys? If they do, <clears throat> Mr. Conley will be available. Yeah, that, there's no way that they don't. I don't see how you would pick number two and then say, well, you know what? We're going to let you take a year and watch Mike Conley. You don't need to watch anybody. You can see what Ja's done. You don't, you don't sit Ja Morant. And there you have it. Go get Mike Conley. And the push for Patrick Beverly, the Chicago push, the social media push for Patrick Beverly. A lot of people are with that. A lot of people are down with it. I, I like Pat Bev. I'm down with it. But the yes, amount of sir. money Pat Bev is going to command for the role that he's going to end up having to play, they don't match. Patrick Beverly is not what this team needs. 
This team needs a stabilizing force on the offensive end. Now, mind you, if that's what they end up getting, fine. I'll watch Patrick <laughs> Beverly irritate and antagonize NBA basketball players in a Chicago Bulls jersey. And he seems interested in coming here. Yeah. But you also need somebody that's going to consistently score, consistently distribute the ball, get the team in order, get those young guys in order, put them where they need to be. But the, the knockdown shooting ability of a Patrick Beverly does intrigue me a little bit. If you're going to have Zach handling more ball handling responsibilities, which I don't think you necessarily should do, but if you're going to do it, Pat Bev might be a decent fit. Yeah. So the thing for me is if Pat Bev is available, yes, I would take him. Uh, but I would prefer and and let him know that his role is to come off the bench, which is perfect for him. If you got him coming off the bench as that grimy, in-your-face defender, uh, then that, that is what the team needs. But not as a starter. Not, not, not as a starter. So you know Pat Bev is going to get like $12 million, right? Well, yeah, more than likely, yep. You're going to bench that? <sighs> I know what I'm getting in Pat Beverly. I know it, it's – I compare it to like Cristiano Felicio. I know Pat Beverly is not going to sorry? get that money and then – Wait, huh? wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Gooby. I, no, no, I, I get that. <laughs> How can you compare anything to Cristiano Felicio? <laughs> <laughs> what I meant is their contracts. You paid Felicio $9 million, I think, and he has been a non-factor ever since he got the money. My thing is, if you do before pay two. Pat Bev... Huh? He was a non-factor before as well. That's kind of true. But if you do pay Pat Bev, then you know he's not going to drop off. You know he's not going to drop off in his defense. You know he's not going to drop off in his desire. That man is Chicago bred. There's nothing that says lazy in, in Pat Beverly. You know, it, he, he's not about that. So paying him, even if it's just a little bit more than maybe his role says it should be, I don't mind if we get a legitimate starting point guard like a Drew Holiday. Mm, yeah. Again, I'm not totally against it. I just don't think it's necessarily what you need. I think no, it, you don't it would need be it. Their, you don't need their it. annual appeasing of Chicago fans. Oh, we got another Chicago guy. Right. You know, that I do that every year, but speaking of Chicago fans, oh, what were we gonna say? No, 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 no. I'm I'm good. Okay. Speaking of Chicago fans, my question is this. Have the fans spoken? And I say this because Bulls viewership was down this year, according to the ratings, down substantially. And even though the attendance numbers are taken by tickets sold, actual butts and seats went down. They did take a separate count of that. Actual butts and seats went down to Bulls games this year. Are the fans finally speaking? Are they saying, you have to earn our time. We're not going to just give it to you. I, I prescribe to the theory. In this new day and age of technology, 
to where more and more teams are at your disposal, to where more and more opportunities are at your fingertips, where you can reasonably become a fan of a team in another market and follow them and get in and follow them fairly faithfully. Why? Why would you keep your allegiances to a local team that continues to try to string you along and has no ultimate interest in winning, but only in taking your dollar? Why would you continue to do that? When I can go and I can and get exciting basketball by getting league pass, and I think with league pass now you can pay for a particular team, I can get league pass and I can go get Denver Nuggets all year. Or I can get Golden State Warriors all year. Or Milwaukee Bucks all year. I can do that. And not just that. Living in the Chicagoland area, I can take a 90-minute drive and go to a Bucks game. Why not? Yeah. Why not? People travel further for their for their hometown civic teams. Back in the day where the Pistons were in Auburn Hills, Auburn Hills was an hour away from Detroit, an hour, two hours away. So people drive further for their teams. That's true. So why not just go and look at a Bucks game, watch Giannis, a bona fide star, as opposed to having to watch Jim Boylan uh, preach grit and the name on the front of the jersey. You don't have to do it anymore. And the fans are showing that. Yeah. So, Bulls fans out there, you got to put the pressure on them. And they can, you know, if you put so much pressure on them, they can threaten to leave all they all they want. And they have, you know, Chicago has the All-Star game next year. And if, if the All-Star weekend proceeds to be an abject failure, oh, the heat is on. Yeah. The heat is on. So we're going to move on to our next segment. We were going to talk about the Bears draft, but we'll save that for the uh, because they're in training. They're in voluntary uh, OTAs right now. Yeah, so we, I, I got some exciting things to, to say on those those Bears. But yeah, we can hold that to the next episode. I think we're going to try to get consistent again. Who, who knows? You'll wait for us, listeners. <laughs> Um, but we're sorry. We were going so long. Sorry. Um, but let's get on to the grub report. Yes, sir. And we'll kick off our, our new, our new segment also with the next podcast. We're going to try to keep this, this podcast a little, a little brief. You know, you don't, you want to overfeed the listener after we've been gone so long. So. Yeah, you don't want to overfeed them. You don't want to overdo it, but you do want to feed them something. So, you know, why not give them something tasty to remember? Also, before we get into the grub report real quick, um, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> so, forgot about this. Um, Dunkin' Donuts. Like now, I think I think I told you guys, you Jordan and the listeners. If I haven't, I'll say it again. I've now reduced my visits to Dunkin' Donuts to twice a year now. And that's because I have the app 
And on your birthday, they supposedly give you, you know, free drinks any size. So I just, I don't do the birthday thing. So I just randomly put dates in the app, right? So I I have two accounts, two app accounts, because I was doing it as a favor to an employee I used to know at Duncan, because she got like a stipend for getting people to go on the app, getting people to sign on to the app. So I have two app, two accounts. So because of that, I have two random dates that I go to Dunkin' Donuts to get my free tea. So I go get my free tea this time, only to find out, okay, this is what I normally order. Mm-hmm. I get a iced green tea with a little sugar in it, right? I go there, and then they say, oh, we don't do iced green tea anymore. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, turn it, turn into the, the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> I don't see why you, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. But <laughs> they don't have any more greens putting their tea. <laughs> you still make hot green tea, right? So all you got to do is never mind. So <laughs> so after that, I say, okay, well, I'll have I'll have the standard tea, and you know, I say, well, you know, you know, I ask for the general amount of sweetener I get. I like it a little sweet. As I've gotten older, I'm trying to cut back on the sugar. I've not gotten rid of it. I'm not doing Atkins or, or keto or whatever. I'm, I'm going to eat sugar. But, I, you know, I ask for a little sugar now. I, I just figure cut back in my attempt to lose pounds and pounds and pounds. So then they proceed to say, oh, we don't put sugar. It's either sweetened or unsweetened. It comes like that now. Wow. So you're essentially giving me McDonald's iced tea. Right, exactly. <laughs> God, I eat McDonald's. It's gonna be okay, man. It's going to be okay. I know I know you 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 preach the virtues of the sriracha bacon thing and yeah, it's it's cool. Um, hey, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you need to try it. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to buy it for me and deliver it to my office. I'm not going in that place. I might just do that. I will sacrifice my little measly money and I will get you that 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 sriracha bacon uh, sandwich. I believe if it's not can't eat eggs. Wait, you you can't eat eggs. So I can only eat eggs sparingly because my stomach is sensitive to the sulfur. So you, what if, I mean, so if you ate that one whole sandwich, is that more eggs than you need for the whole day? Or what, what is, is that like? I'll probably just take the egg off. Oh, that kind of takes away from the experience, but I guess. Well, see, there you have it. Jeez. No eggs, huh? Wow. All right. Especially, well. from, especially from fast food places. Like, if I eat eggs, it has to be home-cooked. Because I don't know how these fast food places repair their eggs. And yeah, what's it's, it's, yeah. And if it's not cooked properly, like, you can cook the sulfur down. Like, when you cook eggs, the sulfur in content goes down. But if it's not cooked properly, I get super sick. Okay. Part of getting old, Jordan. Catch it. Yeah, don't, um, don't remind me. So we'll move on to the grub report. I just had to, to air out Dunkin' Donuts again. 
<laughs> They're going to write a report about you. They're going to ban us. Let's go. Picture of Chris on the front door. Oh, interesting Twitter follow. I'm going to start following them too. Wendy's always seem to be on point with their Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, follow Wendy's, man. They usually, they usually, they, they must be hiring like some young ratchet 25 year old who just, just throws shots at people. Um, <laughs> wow. Follow Wendy. But yeah, Grub Report. Go ahead, Jordan. Okay. Um, there's a spot uh, that, uh, you all need to try. Uh, if you want some really, really, really good barbecue, and I've passed this spot so many times, and uh, I know it to be very good. It's called Smoke Barbecue. It's on the northwest side uh, in the neighborhood of Irving Park. Uh, it is 3800 North Pulaski Road in Chicago. Uh, smoke barbecue. It's not spelled like it sounds. It's S M O Q U E barbecue. Smoke barbecue. I could be saying that wrong. It might be smock. I don't know, but I'm going to go with smoke because barbecue is all about smoke. So I'm guessing they're saying smoke. But anyway, uh, just a little insight into this spot. Uh, there's uh, two smokers that prep meaty St. Louis style ribs. You got tender briskets. You got applewood and oak smoked pulled pork. Um, I would say that it is probably one of the best barbecue spots, you know, in that area. If you're ever familiar with the Irving Park area, and as you all know, I travel everywhere for work. So I've I've been around that area a lot recently. Uh, actually, I won't be in that area a lot, so it's kind of sad. But please go try smoke barbecue when you get a chance. Take a group of people. Shoot, me and me and Chris might even smell. Uh, find our way uh, down to that that spot. It is divine smoke barbecue. If you're in the mood for some nice pulled pork or a brisket or some ribs, some short ribs, just try it. Outside of Carolina, Texas, it's hard to find a better barbecue spot than smoke, baby. <laughs> smoke is pretty good. I've I've had it in the office. Um, ah, okay. One of the perks of being cool with the food service team. Okay, it is, all right. It is. It is pretty good. I like it. I like it. What exactly did you try? Did you? Did they have like a whole bunch of stuff? Brisket. The brisket. Oh, brisket. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I like a good brisket, which brings me to my selection. Now, my vacation was in New York. Start spreading the news. <laughs> While in New York, I have a we went with a few friends. A friend of ours uh, says she she came there a few years ago, and she couldn't leave without going to this place. And I'm like, oh, God, what now? And then we go to this place. And, dude, to, to, to preface it, the scenery is beautiful. So we weren't in New York City at this place. We were in the suburbs. We're in Newburgh, New York, which is, okay. you know, about, about 50 minutes outside the city. And because we were staying about 10 minutes from there. So when you eat at this place... You get the scenery of the of the river, and the river water is super blue. So you get the river. I think it's a branch of the Hudson, and the mountains are in the backdrop. It's gorgeous, man. The scenery. 
So there's an outdoor indoor eatery, and it's called Billy Joe's Rib Works. Okay, all right. Billy Joe's Rib Works. Now Billy Joe's Rib Works offers many selections of barbecue and and other varieties of foods. And from my experience, it's all good. Mouth-watering options. So my our friend, she comes for the nachos. It's like a barbecue brisket nacho or something like that. Tasted good. She gave us a little bit. Tasted great. My wife ordered, and they have different varieties of mac and cheese. My wife ordered the lobster mac and cheese. Awesome, man. That sounds good. Lobster mac and cheese. It was cooked in beautifully. It was awesome. Um, It's called their their Mac Works. So they have buffalo chicken mac. They have brisket mac, lobster mac, pork mac, veggie mac. So they have different selections. Um, They have different potato options. They have different rib options. It's it's a classic barbecue joint that just makes everything. Now they give you great size portions. You're gonna pay a little bit because you're on the East Coast. You're gonna pay a little bit extra, but the the portion sizes they give you. I don't know one person I don't think that didn't take food back to the hotel with them. Out of out of a few people, so it seemed like everybody took food back to the hotel with them. So. The portion sizes were great. You can walk in there with about, you know, and and spend about, you know, $20, $25 per person. Right. But Billy Joe's Rib Works, what I had was, I believe it's called the Meat, Meat, and Meat Platter. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Is there any meat in it? No, no. It's called Meat, Meat, and More Meat. Oh, okay. It it is thirty dollars. It consists of a half smoked chicken, a platter of sliced brisket, and pulled pork. Jeez! And then it comes with two house made sides and cornbread. Yeah, I'm gonna need to get on that. That sounds delicious. Delicious. Got to get to New York and, and knock that out. So they got, you know, they also have the run of the mill stuff. You don't have to come in there and barbecue your life away. They got burgers and salads and wraps and sandwiches. They got, they pretty much got everything at this. Yeah. And then all the food I tasted was good. The ambiance, the environment was good. Billy Joe's Rib Works is a must stop if you're in the New York area. Got to go there. Billy Joe's. Billy Joe's Rickworks. Gotta go. Well, I'm all right. And then sometimes they'll have, like, I know at night, we went in the late afternoon, but I know some days at night they'll have live music, too. So it's, it's, a, it's a destination location, man. Okay. Well, I'll make sure if I make my way down to New York, I will definitely try that out. So that'll wrap us up here at the uh, Legendary Stayouts Podcast. We appreciate you uh, having us in your ear holes once again. Yes, sir. We are back. Being patient with us. 
being patient with us as we go through life and adjustments and vacations, graduations. It's summertime, baby. It's summertime. That's right. That's right. Busy. You know, a lot of our friends, it seems like a lot of our friends have kids graduating. I have one that's graduating, so I got to try to plan some sort of kids party. Those are fun to plan. Um, <laughs> Congratulations, though. Congrats. Congrats. And it's it's, it's going to be busy. It's going to be busy. But we're going to try to keep pumping out some episodes. Shout out to the MVP podcast, to the fellas, uh, all the podcasts, association uh, our podcast association that got together last night took in the the game six of the Bucks and the Raptors. Yes, sir. Uh, Drake Coon himself up for the Raptors. Um, <laughs> Kawhi Mia River. <laughs> oh my God! They're trying to make this a thing, and we look, look, we got to get together. I know we laugh and joke and take little shots at each other. MVP podcasts. Uh, G Smith, Dave, you guys over at Triangle Offensives and the other podcasts you guys do. Um, views from the back of the class, I believe is the name of the podcast. Uh, Loki, listen to them too. Yeah. We all got to get together and we have to destroy this Kawhi Mia River thing. It's, it's lame. It's corny. It's from Drake. And I don't hate Drake as much as others, but I just, that's corny. He's yeah. just trying to. Uh... He's trying to hard. Uh, He's trying to work hard. I'm sure the Warriors are going to stop it, but we we have to stop. Yeah. So. Oh, and, I, and 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 real quick, I do want to make sure I don't forget. I got to give a shout out because me and him are always butting heads. But at the end of the day, I got all the love in the world for my brother. Uh, one of the guys that we hung out with yesterday, again, watching the game from the Triangle Offensive Podcast. G Smith, man, he made his way back down to the, to the city of, uh, of wind. And uh, he's a DJ on the side, DJ uh, G Wiz. And uh, he uh, had a, a, a spot. At a, uh, I can't remember the location, but uh, they had a Chicago House of Blues. Okay, right, right. So real nice spot. Uh, they did their summer session uh, music thing yesterday, and so he was one of the DJs, and I'm pretty sure he did an awesome job. Shout out to DJ G Wiz, G Smith. Uh, know you did your thing, man. Congratulations for getting to this to this point and uh, taking your your love of music and uh, beat making to the next level and helping others to appreciate it as as well. So I'm pretty sure they had a good time listening to your music yesterday. Now I want to echo those sentiments. He goes officially by G Smith, the DJ now G Smith. Ah, right, right, right. Not G Wiz. Right. We, you know, we grow up, Jordan. We grow up. And uh, G Wiz. G Smith put some respect on that man's name. All right, G Smith. Shout out, uh, little bro. It's just it's good to see you, you growing your brand, uh, and doing it with the little Bambino on the side, making a mark for him as well. And uh, I know the other endeavors you're pointing them in the right direction as well. But yeah, we're gonna call it a show. Yes, sir. I've been curious. I'm here with Jordan. Yes, we gotta sir. go. We gotta move. Holla at y'all next time. <laughs> All right, man. See y'all next week.